evening. Struck by this speaking Jesus over our situations, uh, over the circumstances that we find ourselves. Um, You're faithful in the middle of the mysteries. We stand under his grace, his mercy, his love. Uh, Could I say we stand under who he is? So as we speak the name of Jesus into our situations, I think that's what God wants us to do tonight. Um, So I'll try and follow the flow that I think the Spirit's given me. But a number of years ago, quite a few years ago, I was up in the the Cairngorms. If you don't know where the Cairngorms are, it's a big plateau, well, big range of mountains, but you've got this plateau, the Cairngorm Plateau up in Scotland, and in the snow and the ice, it can be quite dangerous. And we were up there with a bunch of mates on one occasion, and we had what's known as a a whiteout. It was virtually a whiteout. You could probably see your hand about there, but you couldn't see much further. And on the edge of this, uh, the, the Cairngorm Plateau, is quite a drop. You probably know it. I'm sure you must have been up there. You've never, you've never done Scotland. Oh, mate. Uh, you need to get up there. Uh, it's, quite, it's quite a fall, so you could actually be in a bit of danger. But as we couldn't see, all we had to rely on was camper, compass and map. Now, fortunately, I was with a mate of mine who was far better at uh, navigating than I was. And so because I trusted him far more than I trusted myself, I had quite a lot of peace. Today we're going to come to a very well-known story. It's a story that's familiar to us, but I want us to hear it afresh into the situations, the circumstances, the mysteries, the storms of our lives. Maybe we're in one now, I don't know, maybe we've just been in one, who knows what this year's going to bring us. And God wants us to be ready and prepared for those storms. So let me read to you from Mark 6, verse 45. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out, because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, "'Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid.' Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed." For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognised Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed." Some of what I say may, I may have said to you before, because I'm continuing probably to a degree from where I was last time I came to you. I've been married 34 years. Still, I'm getting to know my wife. <laughs> he beats me. How many years? 62. 62. Does he know you well enough yet? 
<laughs> Learning how to be a good husband. Summer 2022, uh, we went on a marriage course, even though we'd been married 33 years then. And it was a bit unnerving in that we had to write letters to each other about our emotional feelings about a whole range of different subjects. And then we'd give the letter to one another, read it, and then dialogue around one of them. <laughs> oh, dear, it's not a good place to be. <laughs> but we both came out of this time feeling like, actually, that was a precious time. I posted something on Facebook, in the, I think it was in the lead-up to this, about, I've been married 33 years, but we're going on a marriage course. Partly because I wanted to say to any who saw my Facebook friends that it doesn't matter how long you've been married, it's still worth investing in your relationship and we still need to. And a friend of mine from the running uh, community messaged back and said something like, I've been married 18 years and I thought I was the perfect husband. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> Chapter 6 of Mark, this is typical Mark, packed with activity. Much of it focused on the question of who is Jesus? Helen and I trying to work out who are we for one another? Who are you? Who am I? How do we do this thing called marriage and life together? Mark 6 takes us into the question of who is a Jesus? And if we're going to proclaim the name of Jesus over our situations, our circumstances, our mysteries, then I think it's a question that we still need to face. I certainly do. Do I really believe who he claims to be? Do I fully understand who he really is, even though I've walked with him for decades, do I need to go on a course to get to know him better? Do I really know him? If I fully understood who Jesus is, how would I live? How would I respond? How would I be different? I still need to get to know him better. The chapter opens in chapter 6, not the bit we read, but begins with Jesus performing all kinds of miracles and powerfully preaching in the synagogue with the result that people were amazed but they didn't want to admit anything special about him. They were offended by him. This is the carpenter. We know his family. They live kind of down the road over there. He can't be anyone special. In answer to Mark's question of who is Jesus, the answer here is he's the carpenter. That's all that they thought. This is followed by Jesus sending out the 12 who preached, healed and delivered in his name, and King Herod hears about it, we're told, in chapter 6. And a debate ensues about, who is this Jesus? Is he John the Baptist, whom Herod had, had beheaded, come back to life? Is he Elijah, the prophet, or some other prophet? Who is this Jesus? After this episode, the apostles come back, and they report to Jesus what had been going on as they'd been sent by him, and they try to get to a quiet place together, but we know the story well, don't we? The crowds have gathered and the disciples want to send them away, but Jesus says, no, we've got to feed them. And so we have the story of the feeding of the 5,000. After they've been trying to get some time alone, they've got all these people and they've got to feed them. Finally, we have our passage. 
when Jesus at last is able to send the people away. And I want you to ask yourself, as he has throughout this chapter, as Mark has, who does this story show us Jesus to be? Who is he revealed to be in this passage? Who is this Jesus that Mark is focusing his gospel on? I want to walk through the story, unpacking it a little bit as we go. And I want you, it's a familiar story. We could sit here going, I know the story, hurry up Phil, let's go home. But I want you to be in this story. Where are you in the boat? What are you doing? What are you saying? What are you thinking? Where are you in this story? I want you to put yourself in there. And I don't know whether you're in a storm now, whether there are circumstances outside your control at this moment, whether you've been in one and you're coming into a different season, or what will happen over this next year. But I want you to be in this story. So I've just said how... Jesus, just before the feeding of the 5,000, wanted to get with his disciples on his own, but wasn't able to. But now after the feeding, at last, the crowds have gone and he sends the disciples on ahead of him. He dismisses the crowd and Jesus gets some solitude at last to pray. It's a desire, isn't it? And a habit, when possible, Jesus fulfills that we read throughout the gospel. Hey, we've heard tonight, haven't we? The need to tarry. It's not a bad habit to have, is it? The need to tarry, to stay, to linger in the presence of God. And this is exactly what Jesus is wanting to do, to be in the presence of his Father. I don't know about you, I don't know that I'm very good at tarrying, at lingering, at just being there. But it's a habit that Jesus had that maybe we need to keep cultivating. And so the disciples are in the boat. And they're doing their thing. Don't miss this. They're fishermen, many of them. That's what they do. They sail. This can't have been the first storm that they've ever been in. They know what they're doing. But even in their area of expertise, it isn't going well. Maybe it's an area that they think... Well, we don't need his input. It's great he sent us out to minister and heal the sick and do all of that and preach the gospel. Yes, we'll take his... But this is what we do. We can impress him if he sees us because we're the fishermen and we know how to handle storms and yet it's not going well. Do we ever think like that? This is an area of gifting. This is an area that I'm good at. This is something I'm skilled at. This is something I'm paid to do. I don't need God. We realise Jesus wants to be involved in everything. We compartmentalise sometimes, don't we? Was this Jesus, the one whose name we're proclaiming, wants to be in it all? Wants to be invited into it all? While they're doing their thing then, Jesus is doing his thing, praying, connecting with God. And he sees them from the dry land, straining at the oars, and he continues to pray. Don't miss this first bit. He sees them. He's like the eagle who sees all. 
Every bit of my life he sees, of your life, every detail, those bits that no one else knows, he sees. That pain that you're in, he sees. While we're away, interestingly, we were looking at various storms and being led through some biblical reflections and whether it was a storm of confusion or a storm of shame or a storm of sickness or a storm of anxiety or whatever. We were looking at the various storms. I don't know what storm you've been in. I don't know what storm you might come in. But he sees it. He sees it. Even when no one else does. And it's not until just before dawn that he goes out to them. So they've been there some time, it seems. He's seen them but he doesn't go straight away. Why the delay? Have you ever felt like that? God, will you hurry up? The psalmist certainly gets impatient with God at times, doesn't he? Psalm 89, one example. How long, Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? We do feel like that at times, don't we? In the storms of life. You're all looking very holy. Am I the only one who feels like that? I certainly feel like that. And I've definitely felt that, which I think I alluded to last time I was with you, over the last few years. Do we think we shouldn't because we're Christian? I do think God can handle our how long. He knows what we're feeling anyway. He's seen it all. And so why not just simply be honest with him? We hit our storms. The waves are there. We're tossed around. The circumstances of life aren't what we expect. Of course we cry out, how long will you act? And how about now? <laughs> Jesus comes to them walking on the water. What would you think? When did you last see someone walking on the water? Never. So maybe we shouldn't be so surprised that they just think it's a ghost and they're terrified. And Perhaps I'd think that if I saw someone walking on the water even today, even though I know there's one person who's done it. But who is it? And I think this is part of what Mark wants us to see. Who is it that walks on the water? Who is this Jesus? Job 9 says this, speaking of God. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. When that scripture in from the Old Testament is translated into Greek, the words are very similar to the Greek words that Mark wrote his gospel in. In both situations, there's a storm and there's waves and there's God walking on it. What Mark wants us to see is that the God who walks on the waves back in Job is the God who's walking on the waves right now in the person of Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus? None other than God himself come to you. In the Old Testament, the seas were often seen as the place of chaos, the place where the sea monsters lived. Monsters named as Leviathan, Rahab, the dragon. Psalm 89, you rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. 
You crushed Rahab like one of the slain. With your strong arm, you scattered your enemies. In that psalm, the defeat of the sea and Rahab at the time of creation are presented as the ground of confidence in God to deliver from their present distress. You may have your own stories, but in this room there are certainly stories of people who have walked through storms and come out the other side, of people who have found God in the storm, of people who have spoken the name of Jesus over the storm. And one of the ways we sustain ourselves in a storm is to remember. Remember who God is. Remember what he's done in my life before. It gives us confidence whilst we're in the midst of a storm. But let's look with a bit more detail. So Jesus sees them, but it's not until much later he walks to them. He walks to them, they think it's a ghost. Now what what should he do next? It's me, get in the boat, sort this out, you're okay. But, But he makes out as if he's going to pass them by, Mark says. Why? Why would Jesus pass them by when he sees they're struggling in their area of expertise and they need his help? Might I suggest to you that Mark has put this passing by, and I don't know whether you've noticed it before, but I want to suggest to you Mark has put it there because he wants us to remember, it's a trigger for us to remember a very well-known Old Testament story. And this Old Testament story comes in Exodus chapter 33 and 34. And it's Moses saying, uh, God, he's got to lead the people. And he's going, God, but if you don't go with us, Lord, can I see your glory? He says in Exodus 33. And God says to him, Moses, you can't see my face, but my back you can see. I'll put you in the cleft of a rock and my glory will what? Pass you by. And in chapter 34, Moses goes up the mountain with the new stone tablets and the glory of God passes him by. And the Lord comes past saying, I am the Lord, the great and compassionate one, slow to anger, rich in mercy. At this moment of passing by, the great passing by in the Old Testament was a moment when the God who first revealed himself to Moses as the I am at that burning bush now says to him, I'm the great God, the compassionate one, the loving one. Slow to anger. He's revealing something of his character to Moses at that moment. And I want to suggest to you that in this storm, as Mark says, Jesus is about to pass them by. Why? Because in the delay, in the passing by, Mark wants to go, Jesus is just about to be revealed. Who is Jesus? He's the one who's already walked on the waves, coming out towards them. But there's more that he wants to do. There's a revelatory moment, a revelation of who this one is that's going to take place. Has God ever made out as if he's going to pass you by? Is that the delay? It's not ignoring us. It's not that God hasn't seen. But dare I say it's God getting our attention. He's seen us. But he's wanting something more. 
I think last time I was with you, I told you about going to Felde Brennan in summer 2022 and how, uh, as we, we, would, we were in a pretty dark place, uh, <coughs> Helen and I, uh, just stuff going on. We were definitely in that how long, oh Lord, moment. And it had been going on for far too long, in my view. <laughs> and as we came to Felde Brennan and approached that cross, the crucifix that's on the promontory overlooking the valley, I found myself just hugging this cross. And just being there, just saying a few things. And before we left, a few days later, I'd written some stuff on some bits of paper and left them at the foot of that cross. While we were there, someone had given us a, uh, a kind of a, a reflection to walk through. And this is, I think, what I shared with you last time from Psalm 139. And I wasn't seeing. I wasn't seeing. And actually, I don't know that God was talking. Certainly I wasn't hearing him a lot. And in that psalm, it used this phrase, even the darkness is as light to you. And God started to speak. And he started to say to me that even when you don't see, my sight is not hindered one little bit. I see as well as I've seen at any time. God started to reveal something of his character to me. In that delay. Now I have to say to you, the how long was continued. God was now speaking, revealing something, drawing me deeper, trying to take me to a different place in my walk with him, trying to show me more of who he is because I don't know him fully yet. But the how long has continued. Fast forward now to um, autumn last year. Still been in the how longs. Yes, God had started to speak and that was wonderful. And Helen and I come in one day and there's a mate of my Steve's in the house. And uh, this mate of Steve's hung around for a couple of minutes, whatever, then left, went out the front door and then suddenly appears back in the house again. Obviously hadn't, locked, hadn't shut the door because <laughs> he just appeared back in. And he came to Helen and I and incredibly sensitively said, I feel like Jesus just wants me to pray for you. And you know what? Actually, it wasn't so much. He did say some, some encouraging things. But more than anything he said, it was, God sees. God knows. And he sees you in the storm. He sees what you're facing. He sees your struggles he wants to reveal himself. He wants to reveal his name, the power of his name to you. He wants you to walk into a, a greater depth. You know, I wish in the storm that God would do it, would sort these how longs out in my way when I want straight away now, please. Thank you. I try to make him the genie in the bottle. Don't we? But he was after something more. He's going, I want to know you a bit more deeply, Phil. I want to reveal something more of my character to you. I want to cause you to seek me. He's after a bit more in the relationship.
just to bring a bit further on that story, this guy who stepped into our house um, to pray, maybe five, six weeks later, I don't know, Ellen and I went to, uh, am I allowed to say this in here? Angwell Brewery. <laughs> One of my favourite haunts. And he was there. He'd never been there before. And we walk in and uh, see him. And he goes, I knew I was here for a reason, but I didn't know it was for you. And God continued. We were able to engage with this guy. Some of you will know him. Many of you will know him. We were able to engage with this guy a little bit further and just hear what God wanted to say through him. And um, I saw Henry Ford last night. Some of you know Henry Ford. I saw him at Heathrow Airport. <laughs> I was picking up Ben and Miriam, so it was only a fleeting visit. But he said, how are you? And I said to him, well, it's been the hardest four, five years probably of our, of our lives. But the spring is starting to come. And the light is starting to dawn. And probably in autumn last year, having been in the how longs for I don't know how long, <laughs> the light started to shine. My prayer this year is, Lord, let it get, keep getting brighter, please. Because I want it to come fully. But Jesus was making out to pass them by because he wanted to take them deeper. Who is this Jesus? They misunderstand, don't they? They think it's a ghost, despite the walking on the water. They don't get it who it is, who he is. They were just terrified. But I don't blame them. Then Jesus speaks to them and he says, it is I, or literally, he says, I am. Where have you heard that before? And to whom was God first revealed as I am? Was it this bloke who, through whom the people of Israel were fed in the wilderness? Was it this bloke who God said, I'll pass by? Do you think Mark wants us to see something of Moses in this story? He's the one to whom God first revealed himself as I am at that burning bush. Now Jesus, right here and now to these disciples, struggling in their area expertise, in their storm, not making headway, comes to them, walking on the water, doing what only God can do, and says, I am. This isn't just a prophet. This isn't John the Baptist come back to life. This isn't, certainly isn't just the carpenter's son. But this is God himself, now revealed in human form, coming to them in their storm. And he gets into the boat, and the wind dies down. Now they're amazed. Their fear of a ghost has turned to amazement as they see what God in human form can do. And Jesus showing that he controls and he subdues creation just as he did right back in Genesis chapter 1. He's the one who can calm the storms and they get to their destination. God, the sovereign one, the God who despite the storms that I walk through will get me to the destination that he has in mind. In those how long moments it 
feels like it will never end, doesn't it? In those storms, will it ever stop? Will this win ever come to an end? But this says that he will get us to our destination and we proclaim his name. We proclaim his name into your circumstances, into mine, over your family, into my family, over your anxiety and my anxiety, over your depression and my depression. We proclaim his name and he will get us through the storm and get us to the destination that he has for one. He's the eagle who sees all. And as he starts to reveal himself to us, so we start to see. And as Linda said, we become this flock who also in him start to see. Mark has given us a clue in this story. Do you ever read this little bit where he said, it talks right at the end of the story, their hearts were hardened. It says, uh, they, well, they didn't understand. And Mark, Mark says this, he says, they were completely amazed. Why? because they had not understood about the loaves. Hey? Sorry, did you mean they're completely amazed because they hadn't understood about the walking on the water and who was walking on the water? Mark goes, no, they, did. they were completely amazed because they hadn't understood about the loaves. We have to read our Bibles attentively, don't we? Mark's giving us a clue here because, as I've already said, we know who it is who fed the people of Israel. We know that... Somehow we've got to interpret this story in light of the story that's gone before, which was the feeding of the people in this wilderness, God providing food. And so there is something of the story of Moses that Mark wants us to bring to the fore and say, the God who passed by Moses, the God who revealed himself to Moses as the I am, the prophet like Moses that you're looking for, here he is. Here he is. This Jesus, he's not the carpenter's son. He's not just another prophet. This is God now coming to you in human form and entering the storm of your situation and the storm of your life and bringing peace to you in that storm and he will get you to your destination. That's the God that we come to worship. Find it quite hilarious really that once they get to their destination normality is resumed normality is let's go and get all the sick and bring them wherever he goes and if they touch his cloak they're healed that's a that's a good normal isn't it that'd be a nice new normal wouldn't it (laughs) i do love that in mark's first account of calming of the the storms in mark chapter four the chapter ends with this question who then is this And in Mark chapter 6, it's being answered. This is Jesus the Christ, the coming one, who fulfills all all the Old Testament hopes. Let's bring it to land. I don't know what's going on with you. But I don't think we've finished declaring and proclaiming the name of Jesus tonight. Can I maybe just, can we stand together? And I I don't quite know, I'll I'll look at Andy and Sarah as well. Um, But let's just start to proclaim the name of Jesus. And, you know, I don't know at the end of a how long or whether your how long is still continuing. But we still want to proclaim the name of Jesus. In the midst of our storm and our darkness, Jesus, at the right time, in his time, started to reveal and speak to us again. I'm the God who sees. 
The how long continued. I think some of it's starting to come to an end and move into a next se- another season. But Father, we're here. A motley crew of frail human beings who are trying to follow you. And Jesus, I want to pray for myself and my brothers and sisters here tonight. Holy Spirit, thank you, you see each one of us. I pray where that needs to drop heart of someone tonight. Holy Spirit, let those words drop in that you are the God who sees. You are the eagle who sees everything. Everything. Not in a judgmental way, but in a compassionate way. Why? Because you're the God who's revealed as the all-compassionate one, the all-loving one, the one who's slow to and you see our frailty and you see the detail of our life and you have compassion on us. Lord, where that needs to be heard, let it be heard. I pray, Holy Spirit. I pray, Holy Spirit, where our eyes have been stopped up, where we've been blind and not seen. And Lord, let us see. Let us see who you are. We may have walked with you for decades But Jesus, we don't know everything there is to know about you. We are not as intimate with you as you want us to be. We are not seeking you in the way you want us to seek you. We do not know you as you want us to know you. Open our eyes. You know what? As I reached the beginning of this year and I uh, sat in a sauna in Fitness First, (laughs) reflecting on 2023... And I was running through, just quickly, my mind, month by month, what happened. And there was much that I was grateful for, but I actually found myself, not, not saying repeat the storms, Lord, but I actually found myself being grateful for what he'd shown me. Lord, speak to us, reveal yourself to us. Lord, if we're in a storm, would you come close and open our eyes? Draw us deeper with you. And while we wait for that, give us the grace and the mercy and the love to sustain us that we can keep going. Jesus, for some here, we want to just proclaim your name, that you will get them to their destination. I pray that faith would fall in our hearts and minds. That Jesus, when we can't see a way, when it's outside of our control, when we find we're pulling at the oars and nothing's happening, Jesus, we right now want to declare that you are the God who will get us to our destination. You are the God who has plans and purposes, and we have no idea at times how they will work out. But suddenly you speak, and suddenly you act, and suddenly you make a way. And so tonight we speak your name, Jesus, the one who has control over the storms, the one who has, is sovereign. We thank you, you are sovereign, and would you get us and give us faith, Lord God, and belief and hope. And Lord, we believe, help our unbelief, that we could follow after you. Jesus, we need you. Lord, I pray for those in a storm of sickness. Would you speak peace? Lord, we pray you'd release your healing. We long for that, Lord God. Let the normality of what went on when you landed in Gennesaret. Lord, how about that, Lord? How about that? 
How about some healings in our midst, Lord God? Pray that you'd speak your sovereign word into broken bodies, into suffering situations, Lord God. Lord, we long for the instant, but Lord, if it's not the instant, if there's a how long in there, would you, we still pray you'd speak your word of healing and wholeness and sustaining and hope. We pray for that, Lord Jesus.